0: The Mumbrella Finance Marketing Summit is back in person on August 11, 2022. Don't miss your chance to learn and connect with the most influential thinkers and leaders to discuss and dissect the latest trends across all areas of banking, superannuation, finance and insurance. The early bird discounts end next Friday, 24th of June. Book now to save $200.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast, I'm Callum Jaspin and today, global creativity and advertising takes focus as industry figureheads from across the world prepare to descend on Cannes. What are some of the trends to come from this year's thought leaders? Then following a report this morning on data consciousness, you'll hear how Aussies really feel about sharing their personal information with brands. Finally, we catch up with Paramount Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser about the Global Network's streamlined proposition here in Australia and how it stacks up against its competitors. Joining me for this Mumbrella Cast Global Edition is Acting Deputy Editor Emma Shepherd. Hey, Em. G'day. And also joining us today is journalist Khalila Welsh. Hey, Khalila.
2: Hey, Hey, Cal.
1: <laughs> nice to see you both from over here.
2: Yeah, Carl, we're lucky to have you stationed over in Europe as our correspondent for Cairns Lions, which kicks off next week. It's the first time we've been over at Cairns in a little while, no doubt thanks in part to COVID. What's on the agenda for you while you're over there? How's the weather?
1: Well, the weather is lovely. I'm currently in um, in sunny London and we'll be heading to Cannes this weekend. Um, as you mentioned, it's the, the first time we've personally been there in a in a little while as mumbrella representing um but also you know the event hasn't happened for a few years anyway so i think it's going to be a little bit of um kind of wedding back in for everyone the week is uh shaping up to be a pretty busy one um you know first time for me as well so i think uh we'll definitely i'll definitely be jumping between quite a few things but hoping to catch as much of the action as I can kind of soak it all in. And um, as I understand, there'll be a pretty heavy uh, Australian contingent over there as well. So looking forward to seeing some of our industry friends as well. Early this week, the first couple of shortlists for the Can Lions Award were announced um, with Leo Burnett Australia listed in the uh, nominations for the Innovation Lions for its one house to save many work for Suncorp Group. Kalila, you spoke with Andy Ferguson, ECD at Leo's about the nomination. What did he have to say about that one?
2: So just for a bit of background first on the campaign, though I'm sure many people are already familiar with it, the agency worked with the housing resilience experts at James Cook University, the CSIRO, and Room 11 Architects to design and test a prototype home that would be fire, flood, and cyclone resistant. And this was kind of off the back of um, kind of a stream of horrible, um, climate events that we'd had here, you know, with the fires, uh, at the end of 2019 ahead of COVID, um, the, the process was communicated. So the process of, um, designing the home was communicated through an integrated campaign that included a documentary, which was aired on channel nine, uh, the earned media coverage that went with that as well as content on their own channels. So in speaking to Ferguson, he basically said that the team was super proud of the campaign. Uh, They were really happy it's being recognized in the innovation categories, especially because innovation itself has become such a buzzword in the industry, um, but something that is rarely seen in practice. He said that true innovation can take a lot of time, money, trust, and bravery. He said One House had shown them that when you do innovate, it pays off in spades, The project is yielding significant business results for Suncorp and has led to industry-leading insurance products like Build It Back Better. Uh, But even more importantly, off the back of the campaign, Ferguson said that the Insurance Council of Australia is aiming to embed resilience into the National Construction Code by 2025. Uh, In summing it up, he essentially said that the one house to save many was never just about building one house. It was about changing the way that every house is built.
1: So plenty still to come as we approach the festival, which kicks off next Monday. Um, but I guess based on what we have seen so far, Kalila, um, from them those shortlists that have been published, are we seeing any preliminary trends starting to emerge amongst this year's nominees?
2: Yeah. So just from the first look, there are a few things that are kind of emerging out of what we've seen so far. So the first three categories to be announced uh, were the Innovation Lions, which Leo's were nominated for, which celebrate groundbreaking innovation, technology and problem solving. The Titanium Lions, celebrating game-changing creativity and Glass, the Lion for Change, which celebrates culture-shifting creativity. Overarchingly from these three categories, the biggest trends that I've noticed in the shortlisted candidates so far is a real commitment to social progress So an overwhelming number of the work put forward for recognition is anchored in social good across a number of topical issues, including climate change, gender equality and women's issues, as well as anti-racism. I also noticed a number of campaigns that were raising awareness or improving accessibility for people with a disability, including a campaign from Virgin called Dyslexic Thinking, from FCB Inferno London, and another one from Channel 4 called Superhuman, which was created by 4 Creative London, as well as a number of others. Um, of course, uh, one of the shortlisted categories, Glass, is um, does recognise this kind of you know culture shifting work. But I do think it's also um, more broadly evidence of shifting expectations of brands to be progressing society and to be seen, to be engaging in social good. In terms of who's being nominated of the nominations so far and again you know there are many more to be announced but there's a few agencies that have popped up a couple of times one being ogilvy Uh, ogilvy london has been nominated twice once for its work for dove um, and another piece for mayor of london which were both shortlisted under the glass category and we've also seen another one from ogilvy from their athens office V, M, L, Y and R have also been nominated a few times with their Mumbai office having received multiple nominations as well as one for their Mexico office too.
1: Yeah, interesting um, that that continues to sort of be a focus of the the work this year. I remember we had um, Squarespace's creative director on the podcast last year and he was sort of reflecting on the work that he had seen judging at Cannes over the, the year prior which was you know had a big focus on that sort of social progression work, as you mentioned there, clearly has been a pretty, um, I guess, busy two years on that front. Um, but he also kind of mentioned that, uh, I guess, that there wasn't very much fun work coming out from what he was seeing. So hopefully there's um, a little bit of that uh, scattered through the work this year as well. So, yes, boots on the ground for Mumbrella at Cannes this year. If you're going to be there as well, please do give us a shout Anyway, coming up next, Australians have their say on sharing their personal data. Dentsu has launched its latest data consciousness project report examining how consumers feel about businesses accessing and leveraging their personal data. The report surveyed around 20,000 people across 14 countries in the Asia-Pacific region, including 3,900 Australians, where it looked at trust, transparency, and the value exchange of data. Similarly, the study highlighted growing concerns around privacy and security, particularly towards new technologies and the development of the metaverse. Em, you actually had a bit more of an in-depth chat with Christine McKinnon-Dentsu Solutions Head of Intelligence for Australia and New Zealand. What were some of the more localized takeaways from the report and what can we apply this to mean for brands?
0: I did and she told me that um, you know Australians and New Zealanders are more protective over human values when we consider data and tech. She said that represents a great challenge um, for brands in the ANZ region because they are going to have to possibly work a lot harder to deepen database relationships, create genuinely enriching experiences and hold themselves to higher standards in terms of data oriented behaviour. Uh, I think we can see cl- clearly over the, f- the five years that Dentsu has been studying this uh, that there has been growing appreciation for personalization when, you know, delivering highly desired benefits via a trusted partner, I think brands need to have the courage to step out from behind their TNCs and make their offering highly relevant and trusted. So, really interesting insights from her.
1: Yeah, and you also had weigh ins from other industry figureheads, um, including IAB Australia's CEO, Gayle Roy, and Yahoo's head of data for APAC, Dan Richardson. And were the findings sort of on par with what they've been seeing in the industry already?
0: Yes. So I spoke to Gay earlier today. Uh, She said that the findings are similar to what she's seen in market. Uh, You know, the consumers are more concerned about how their data is used, but not quite sure either how it's being, you know, kind of used either, if that makes any sense. There's really a need for the industry to be not just transparent, um, but she did say to be clear around their messaging about how their data is being used. That's been a big struggle, I think, in the past, Um, and she did say that we need to get better in expressing that. Um, She said the statistic that jumped out at her that was a little bit concerning was that 66% of people across the APAC region expect to be able to decline sharing any data without compromising the level of service they received. Um, And that's really a big opportunity for the industry to really explain what services, media, et cetera, that they're receiving in exchange for their data. And if that data does not exist, a whole lot of ad-supported media and services would disappear. So I think um, basically what she was saying is we really need to explain that there's definitely an exchange there, um, but that, you know, if that doesn't occur, uh, then more services will have to be paid for rather than ad-supported. And then Dan Richardson from Yahoo said uh, the quote that stood out for him was that half of Australian Gen Z's are willing to share their data with restaurants in exchange for discounts, 59%, uh, with pharmacies in in exchange for health advice, 47%. Um, And this is interesting because marketers are kind of already leading the way through direct personalized channels, as Densu's research indicates, with respect to fashion and beauty and pharmacies. Um, You know, Richardson was saying the trick will be demonstrating a meaningful value exchange for ad-funded content, giving people a reason to hand over their data. Uh, You know, given the current economic climate, high inflation, slow wage growth, the subscription content model is under pressure as people look to consolidate spend. So the ad-funded model is critical to free and open internet. So some really good insight there from some great industry voices
1: yeah really interesting the um the race for data is obviously one that is sort of captivating the industry at the moment, and you know we're seeing some brands as you mentioned uh, kind of fast food chains like uh, McDonald's and KFC finding interesting ways to sort of uh, I guess adapt to the the delivery services but also maintain their first party data. coming up next, we're going to be chatting to Rod Prosser, Paramount Australia and New Zealand's chief sales officer. Rod Prosser, Paramount, Australia and New Zealand Chief Sales Officer, welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. Thank you.
3: Nice to, nice to
1: be here, Cal. So, Rod, in your view, how do you think things are tracking? Is the network in a better position than it was
3: one year ago today? Yeah. I mean, look, um, it's, a, it's a great question, Cal. And in, in our view, our business has changed dramatically in the last 12 months. Uh, and continues to go through a fairly significant transformation. Obviously, when uh, the Viacom and CBS businesses came together and, and recently relaunched as Paramount, uh, that was quite significant. And obviously, our assets uh, diversified um, fairly quickly. So we're now dealing with a business that has a, 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 an FTA an Svod service, a Bvod service, and of course um, STV channels, and then all the great brands that, that sit around um, Viacom, whether that be Nickelodeon or MTV. So we definitely have much greater breadth um, and depth in our assets. Uh, so therefore, you know, I think we, we as we quickly diversify um, and transform the business. Uh, we've we definitely become a, a fairly solid entertainment um, offering, and I think that for us future proofs the business in so many ways and and thankfully we've you know we've got that diverse uh, platform now that um, you know particularly advertisers are, are, are leaning into
1: yeah uh, well, I was kind of going to ask that I mean do you think the um the paramount name change has sort of percha- uh, changed the perception? of the company within the market at all? Does it sort of streamline things? I know before it was a little bit, you know, 10 Viacom CBS, maybe there was that perception that it was sort of still Network 10 and then the new international owners.
3: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely brings it all together nice, nicely and cohesively, no question. I think, to be fair, we have a, a big job ahead of us over the next sort of three to six months to educate uh, both the market and, and advertisers, um, and our viewers, what our offering um, exactly is. We've, we've got we've got a, as I said, a business with great breadth now in terms of the um, the assets that we have. So our ambition is is to make sure that those assets are all talking to each other, so the ecosystem is really pumping and working for us. Um, but I think the Paramount name itself um, says everything that that is the historic. Um, nature of that that name, which is just an entertainment content powerhouse.
1: Yeah, and you, you know, you kind of mentioned the um, the different offerings there. How do you think that uh, Paramount's multi platform offering sort of stacks up compared to maybe its competitors in the Australian market?
3: Mm. Here locally, we are um, certainly well poised to compete very well against um, um, our competitors, I and mean, we don't just look at our competitors as the FTR networks. Uh, we've, we're very different, our portfolio is very different. Um, well, it's unlike any um, uh, Australian media company at this, at this point, and for us, it's, it's a point of difference, but really importantly, um, the, the assets and, and the, the platforms uh, need to come in, come together, I should say, Um, in in a very distinct way and I think that that's that's what we're offering the market and our advertisers is a very distinctly different um, proposition. So I think that we do stand out. We also have the the wonderful benefit of being part of a a global business that's in over 184 countries that reaches well over 4 billion people um, and really important is in the business of making great content and owning great content. So we're keeping the the uh, content pipe really full and delivering consistently uh, into this market. So that that's our really great benefit that we have on our site compared to some of our local competitors.
1: And what's that kind of process been like for you, sort of transitioning your role from being largely a TV network to now being this sort of total media offering company?
3: It's been a really exciting journey and... I, I would say that I'm really. Pl- I was really. Pl- I'm. I, I am pleased to be part of it, and obviously, you know, there's a there's a huge learning uh, curve that that you go through dealing with an air service that 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 takes uh, advertising within the sport offering and structuring that, setting that up has been um, an absolute um, joy, to be honest, um, because it does give advertisers a another. Um, Opportunity to talk to sometimes hard viewers to get a hold of. So you know, we've we've def- my role's definitely um, definitely evolved and changed as the business has evolved and changed. Um, but like a, as any salesperson would tell you, the more the more tools in the toolkit that you have to to play with, um, the, the 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 better job, the greater job you can do, I should say, um, and certainly uh, better outcomes you can get for your clients.
1: And um, I guess one of the, the 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 main sort of transition points for uh, Paramount was last year winning the rights to the um, the A leagues, and I guess expanding your football portfolio out of there. Um, you know, you you mentioned the unique position you're in, where you have that free to air partnership with the stream- streaming capabilities. How do you think? um that that first season which has just wrapped up how how do you think it went what was your kind of assessment and what do you think could maybe be tweaked for a year two based on the learnings uh
3: first and foremost we are really proud of what what uh we put to air uh obviously first year and you're going to you're going to collect a whole heap of lesson um lessons on the way through um and for us um, you know there was there there was a lot that we would refine and do differently, um, but there was also a lot that we would keep and, and maintain and continue to do. I think the important thing is that we've grown the sport. It's it's reaching. Um, you know, four times the amount of uh, viewers than it was um, in its previous um, season. So we're, we're pleased with that. More people are seeing football, whether that be through the SBOT service, whether that be on Ten or whether that be on our um, linear services. So that's a really uh, pleasing outcome. the The question around what would we do differently. Um, I think you need to wait till next year (laughs) because there will be plenty that we'll do differently and and tweak. As I said, a lot of lessons were learnt. Uh, That said, I think the, um, you know, the the obvious thing to point out is to say that it was such a tricky season for for the APL because of the – the uh COVID situation and that, and they were really impacted by that so we've never they've never seen a season like that I mean we had to accelerate the season we had to stop the season um and that gets um tricky and hard to execute on broadcast obviously so I think the the challenge we'll never see we hope we'll never see those challenges again which will allow us to cons- really consolidate and um, and take those learnings and be able to move forward and create what will be a much better season, give us plenty of runway to market um, the product, um, talk about the games um, and have some consistency in schedule, that helps broadcast. So that will be something we definitely um, definitely have next year. But, you know, look, there's always going to be tweaks, particularly as you go from the first season, And, and it's a new partnership and... You know, we, we really enjoy the partnership that we have with both Football Australia and the APL. Um, they're, they're great partners. We're all willing to to to, to lean in and, and, and try new things, and I think that's what makes a good partnership.
1: And I, I guess in comparison to um, those other two big codes on, you know, the, the AFL and NRL, which are sort of protected by the anti-siphoning uh, laws, which... I guess mean that a certain amount of games have to be available on free to air. Would there ever be a consideration to bring more A League games weekly from behind that paywall, or would that not really fit in with the sort of setup of the deal?
3: Well, it's a it's a it's a great question, and probably one that that we would say we would always leave open. I think this is the wonderful thing about what we have to offer, and this is our this is really a, a, a partly our point of difference. Um, we we have both. The SVOD, uh, and of course the, the, FTA rights. And we're one business. So we can work with our partners on scheduling and where it makes sense. Of course, we, we put more games onto, onto 10, or if it, if it made sense, you know, we, we could reinvent the schedule completely. Uh, we're one business. And when you, when you have, when you have ownership across those platforms, you get flexibility and the ability to work with, um, the, the sporting, um, partners. To actually execute what what will be the best schedule, so uh, we will always be open minded to any of that. Cal.
1: Yeah, I think traditionally it's sort of maybe been the, the 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 difficulty for football growing in this country is because it's always been behind a paywall, and then you know things like ad breaks are maybe more infrequent. Um, in football, I know one of the uh, another one of the kind of comments I've seen online during the uh, A Leagues coverage on Free to Air was ad breaks during the play, um, something that's not really t- traditionally seen elsewhere in the world in football coverage. Would that be something that you would consider dropping in next year's coverage?
3: Uh, we've already made we've already made tweets to that, uh, and but look, ultimately we're a commercial business. And therefore, we have to operate and behave like a commercial business. If viewers don't want that, then potentially it may all just go back behind a paywall. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you can blame me for that because I'm a commercial guy <laughs> and and, and, I, and I like making money off the rights that we acquire and that, that was part of it. So, um, look, we want to make sure that the viewers get the best experience possible. That's first and foremost. But we are a commercial business. That that needs to make money off these rights, so we can bring all Australians a great yeah. coverage.
1: And then, um, I, I guess, speaking of rights, last night, uh, well, for, for me over here in the UK, and for this morning for you in Australia, the men's team secured their qualification to mm-hmm. the World Cup, which we're all very happy about. Um, and then le- next year, we have the the uh, the women's World Cup hosted in Australia. Of course, it would be I guess Australians would be looking for a free-to-air partner for that. Seeing as Ten already has a expanding portfolio of football um, rights, would, would would there be a consideration or any conversations happening there?
3: Really wonderful question. This is how I will frame that, and I've um, I've, I've said this in the past, and I'll continue to say it, is that as these rights come available, um, we will look at them um, very seriously. It makes obvious sense that that we would have a serious look at um, anything that relates to football on the on the, the the basis that we are the home of football. So um, you know, of course, we will look at it. But that 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 will that that extends across all all rights as they come come available if it makes strategic sense and the, and the sporting code actually fits with the with the business and our. Um, our values, because that's really important because I would suggest that not all um, sports fit with our business and we probably mm-hmm. wouldn't go after um, any sport just because it's sport uh, on that, that basis. But 100% we will um, always take a good look and lean in properly and, and make sure uh, it's either right or not right for us.
1: So I guess it's a C above for the men's. Then uh, the, the, the forthcoming 2028 or 2026 World Cup for the men's as well then.
3: <laughs> 100%. Um,
1: so I, I guess one of the, the big talking points in recent weeks and months as well has been another sports rights, the AFL. What's the, the sort of, um, I guess, the business strategy beside, behind bidding for the AFL? Does having the A-League also make it maybe a little bit harder?
3: No, I mean, look, I, I, obviously, um, we won't talk about any of those, those, those um, rights discussions or discussions that might be happening or might not be happening um, in, in detail. But, you know, look, we're, I will say this, we've got a um, multi-platform business that can carry a lot of content. So there's always ways of uh, making sure that um, the content can be shown and aired uh, for all Australians.
1: Um. So I guess with um moving on to sort of more general coverage with um Pluto on the way, which I know it's still there's still no certain date on. Is that right?
3: No, we don't we don't have a we don't have a firm date on that. That is one hundred percent correct. Um, yes, we will wait and see, but I'm certainly certainly excited about um the day it does arrive. <laughs> yeah,
1: and um I guess Paramount the the overall global network focus. Um, where, where does I guess Ten Play sit right now as a, as a priority for the network?
3: Ten Play is a huge priority. I mean, it, it obviously is a big part of our future and a big part of the, the, the business um, uh, in the years to come and, and beyond. So we are doing a lot right now to, um, to, to expand the library. A lot of investment going into content. Um, you'll see some firsts happen fairly soon across the second half um, around how we, we structure our library on 10Play on and, and what we launch um, on 10Play. Um, we're having um, a lot of discussions around what is the future of ad product um, and, and ad inventory look like on 10Play. Um, we're going to make some really great announcements around innovation. Um, ad product innovation uh, in the second half of this year unfortunately I can't give away an awful lot just yet uh, but we're certainly um, building out a really robust uh, ad product roadmap which we're really excited about and then of course um, there's the UX you know we continue to improve um, the UX um, by better bettering our technology so um, we, you know, we're, we're heavily invested in, in, in our BeVoB product. Uh, and certainly, you know, look, we, we, we know it's going to be a big part of our ecosystem as I keep referring to, um, in the years to come. And then of course, you know, the, the, the numbers are testament to, to the investment. Um, it's having its biggest year yet. It's up 23% in 22, in 2022. Um, and it's, of course, you know, had some, some really great uptake, which I've spoken about in the past, um, in our registered users. So since we've been member gating, um, we've continued to, to, to grow, um, which has allowed us to, to, to grow our, um, data lake and our first party data it allowed us to, to engage with, um, great vendors and, and other data partners. Um, but you know we're well well in excess of five million registered active users on Template, which you know coming from a you know a, a start of you know very little a few years ago, it's a really pleasing result, and that yeah. keeps us highly competitive.
1: And um, there was a, a report earlier this year on uh, I guess a proposed combined BVOD marketplace using OzTam um, IDs. Was that conversation sort of? furthered anywhere was there any discussions with the with I guess um, other networks or buyers about the prospects of that I guess coming into play
3: we are in always in constant discussions with our um, with our fellow industry friends around um, how we um, best trade collectively now I don't have um, an update you update for you on that specific initiative but I can tell you that um, it's one that we explored, um, and you know, look, it, it's it, it, we will be talking to the market um, um, fairly soon about what that might look like. Whether we're a part of it or not is yeah. um, is you know yet to be determined. So, um, yeah, look, it's like all these initiatives are super important, and for us to 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 remain really strong and healthy as an industry in the future, we'll continue to work really closely, particularly with Seven and Nine, on, on many of these initiatives.
1: And um, I, I guess another kind of cross-industry discussion at the moment is the, the topic over the last few weeks and whether or not to um, look at ditching overnights for, I guess, a trial period or in the long term. What would be your take on that? Would, would you back that?
3: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I, our position on that is, um, has been quite clearly um, articulated um, some years ago, actually, on, 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 in, in Mumbrella. Our, we, we, yeah, we are ahead of the curve. <laughs> our CEO announced quite, quite, quite some years ago that we were moving away from just reporting on overnight. Obviously, the trades still do, the press still do. We don't internally. We, we always lead with our um, the full picture, as I say. Uh, so that that measurement um, or that data set is, is quite familiar within our business because that's how we've been reporting. My view is you don't get the total picture just by looking at the overnights. Obviously, um, media buyers are still buying um, and planning um, on on overnights. Not having overnights might impact retail retail clients and, and and the like that need to to move quickly. So we get that it's nuanced. Our business gets that it's nuanced. So it's not it's not as simple as switching it off and switching the other on. Um, you need to probably have a combination of both. I think the reporting part is really key because when we report within the press or the trade one number, the, the, you're not seeing the, the complete picture. And I think that's that's the important point we've got to make is that yeah. um, it's not moving away from the overnights. Um, it's more about um, telling the whole story, <laughs> which will come seven yeah. days later.
1: So uh, I guess that whole story, how, how do you think – I guess, that, that figure now, that total TV figure, how, how do you think it's stacking up compared to, for example, the true total figures that we were seeing maybe five or ten years ago just on those linear services? Surfaces? Do you think, um, I guess, the good times will continue for the networks We're now seeing, I guess, I think MasterChef's, you know, still winning entertainment but on, on a figure that might have been a little bit lower than it was several years ago?
3: There's definitely no question that, that audiences are, are, are moving around in, in a television environment. This is th- th- and this is this is this is my view is that there's no there's no question that viewers aren't consuming SVOD, but they're also confu- consuming VOD. Many of them are still consuming um, the linear. M- many of them are on the live stream. So it's, a, it's it really is for us capturing all of that and being able to present that in a, in a data set. Voz will go a long way in, in um, helping us do that. Mm-hmm. The question to you, I think, around total TV audiences, Australians are watching more television and viewing more content than they ever have. Uh, for us as a business, we just want to make sure we are everywhere they are. So that, for yeah. us, means that we need to um, be broader than just a, a linear TV service. Um, because uh, we know that viewers are moving around. So whether that be a fast service or whether that be on a, on VBOD or, as I said, on SVOD um, or an FTA channel, we've got to kind of find them, um, set up some real estate and some platforms around that and um, and target them and and, and and feed them content.
1: And um, around six months ago, you, you mentioned that... Um that Linear is still the main breadwinner for the network. Do do you think that um, at all we'll see, I guess, a change in that coming in? I guess, well, of of course, as BVOD numbers continue to rise. And do you think that potentially the the cost of living, I guess, we'll maybe call it a crisis, will impact TV investment for marketers at any point?
3: Well, maybe the cost of living might impact um, how many uh services viewers have. So who knows? That the linear might just go up on that basis. Um, (laughs) uh, Look, quite seriously, uh you know, our our again, our um our view is that the linear is 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 a big part of our business and will continue to be a big part of our business for some time. Uh, Therefore we will continue to invest in such a manner. Uh, and that doesn't—that's not saying that we won't uh, invest on expanding our library, uh, launching new channels, um, you know, on on digital. But what it does mean is that, that viewers will continue to get great served up great content on Network Ten, Bold, and Peach, um, and that that's not going to change overnight. And I think that you know we, we will see we will see some I think some flattening of um, some audiences. Uh, I know that their people are ju- viewers are jumping around at the minute and consuming everywhere and anywhere. But I think that will stabilise, uh, and I think the marketers will uh, do what they've always done and find those audiences, and will help them, and and uh, they'll invest and spend their their marketing dollars um, in that now. So I, I don't. I'm not concerned that that television will uh, necessarily you know, lose marketing dollars on the basis that, that you know, our audiences are shifting across into different platforms or consuming um, content in a different manner.
1: Yeah, and we, um, you know, we mentioned there uh, MasterChef performing well and then uh, other formats like Have You Been Paying Attention is currently um, – you know leading things for the network. how you, how, how, how do you think the um the, I guess the content slate that you announced at last year's upfront has performed, uh, I guess to date? Has there been anything that surprised you or maybe done better or not as well as expected?
3: Uh, I, I, we're pleased with everything that we've launched. I mean, you're going to expect that I would say that. Obviously, total TV, total TV audiences um, have been softer. Um, on, on the linear, but it's certainly on our BVOD, um and, and live streams have, have accelerated beyond um, what we would have imagined. Um, but I th- look, MasterChef continues to deliver. I'll talk about MasterChef first. Okay? But I think for us, MasterChef continues to deliver a really unique opportunity for advertisers and sponsors. Um, We know the engagement's high. We know the viewers really lean in uh, and we still are seeing uh, and hearing about great results from our sponsors and partners. Um, It still continues to move stock off shelves. Um, It still continues to drive great results um, for our supermarket partners. So, um, you know, the the franchise is, is healthy And the the audiences are just, again, consuming it in different ways. So, again, we've got to go back to looking at what does the total picture look like, not just the overnight, um, and then we evaluate it. In terms of all of our other shows, I see um, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here kicked off really well, uh, kicked us off uh, very well. We were pleased with that. Um, We've been pleased with Survivor. Uh, We've still, Carl, we've still been in a cycle of... um, uh, COVID productions, if that makes sense. Uh, so we wouldn't necessarily have done IAC and or Survivor here in Australia. Uh, they would have been shot overseas. Whilst it was it was great, we could do it here because it made it a lot easier for us to 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 get product into the shows, uh, which I love. Uh, but it um, it may not have been the way we would have normally done it. So um, that that'll go back to what. Uh, next year we'll go back to what will be a normal year for us but i think the one thing if i can say one thing that has been a big lesson for us and something that's become i think a reality is that that whilst all these franchises that we've just spoken about are super important to our schedule australians are demanding fresh content yeah We, we 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 know that um and and we've got some research to support that but we know that that, that, that Aussies want uh, new and fresh content. That's why we've seen the doghouse is a, a great example, has been um, great success for us. Cheap seats, another great success for us. Both new formats um, or new shows, um, but of course, you know we've got to keep we've got to keep the 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 the, the great franchise franchises alive across the schedule and continue to pepper. Um, the format with um, new shows, so the back half for us um, is super exciting in terms of um, new formats. Hunted um, is going to be epic, absolutely amazing um, format, and has we're just starting to promo now, coming straight after Survivor. And Traders is another great one, um, and of course we've got you know sort of the, some fresh returning, and then we move into to next year. Um, and there's some great new shows, which you're going to have to wait up front to hear about. Um, (laughs) Nothing you can announce (laughs) here. (laughs) No, I want to keep my job. Um, No, I can't. But but I I, I can assure you the volume of new programs that you're going to see across the second half will then um, be replicated in the first half of um, next year too. So we are serving up to to Aussie's new and fresh formats. I would like to say every single one of them will work. Um, But you know, look, that's just the math sometimes doesn't work that way. But the stuff that I'm seeing coming through, like the the real love boat for Australia, I mean that is going to be so much fun. It's already getting a stack of attention. It's a a co-production with our um CBS um uh sister company in the US. Um, so really great production values, going to be really um, fun and interesting and new format. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff coming second half. We're really excited. Our, our guys have been in the market talking about the, the half and the content and the format and the market reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, simply because it's it's fresh and
1: new just just finally rob we are in i guess presently in pride month which gets a particular focus in this industry every year from brands and such um paramount and in its previous incarnations has always kind of pushed diversity maybe a, a little bit more than some of the other networks what was what it about it makes it so important to paramount and i guess in the makeup of the company
3: yeah, well, look, it's always been important to, to us as a business, whether that was us as uh, a business of Network 10, whether that be Network 10 CBS or whether that um, be Viacom CBS and, and obviously now Paramount, it's always been here locally uh, an, a, an important agenda, always been a big part of our um, values. And the great thing is is we, I, I've been fortunate to see it come to, to, to life in a whole raft of initiatives. Um, you know, I think that the most exciting thing that we've done over the last couple of years is is really embrace our rap um, plan and, and, and how we and how we've rolled that out across the business is, is being is been quite heartwarming. So look, it it is really incredibly important to, to us here locally. The upside for us is that we've got a, a global business. That that it is equally important too, and has a a really strong um, body that sits sits around DE and I, and we get we get um, a lot of initiatives rolled in down here locally that that are supported globally, uh, which allows our um, our teams to really lean in and embrace um, a a whole raft of. different um initiatives and all causes and i think that for us is 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 a is a big part of the business but really importantly um, gives us a sense of well, gives a lot of people within the business a sense of belonging so you come into channel 10 and you feel um like like you, you're part of something now you come into paramount you feel like you're part of something um bigger so um, I think you can talk to any any one of our staff around um, DE&I and they'll, they'll tell you how important it is to, to, to the business. But, you know, we actually, I always say this, it's it's really easy to do the talk. Um, it's a lot harder to do the walk. And, and clearly it's a topic that everyone's talking about. And I hope every business gets their act together. Uh, but you really have to... You really have to lean in as a business. So we, I, I, I can confidently say, we will, might do a lot of talk, um, but we are doing a lot of walk as well.
1: Yeah. And, and does that conversation, I guess, continue to extend up upon, I guess, on screen
3: talent and things like that as well? Yeah. This is, and, and that's really important. I think the it, it's one thing to have the internal rigor and structure around um, diversity, and it, it's it's another thing to actually. Um, portray that on the screen, both in front and behind. And, you know, we have been great ambassadors of representing all Australians. And, you know, sometimes we've been criticised in, 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 in the press around um, some of the decisions that, that we've made in terms of um, whether that be casting or whether that be, you know, a structural show. It doesn't matter. you so you just, just got to keep, you know, moving forward and plough ahead. Uh, because every Australian deserves the right to be represented on our screen and the fact of the matter is um, sadly you know well over 35 percent of Australians still don't feel like they're reflected on screen so we've all got a big job to do and it sits on all of our shoulders to, to to make sure that all of Australia is represented and in a meaningful way not not just in a tokenistic way
1: yeah well um Rod thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today
3: Cal, it was a pleasure. Um, I look forward to catching up
1: soon. And that is everything for today on the Mumbrella cast. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you're catching these podcasts and head to mumbrella.com.au for more content and updates. Emma, thank you very much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much, Cal, and all the best in can. Cannot wait to see some incredible content from us.
1: Love a little pun there. And Khalila, thank you very much as well.
2: Thank you. Hope you have fun over in Europe and London.
1: And thanks to Rod for joining us. See you next week.